time to step in the pantheon. I'm your host, Matthew Holding. It's the end of year show. Today, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Instead of focusing on two shows, me and returning guest Jono, we're going to talk about our top five TV shows of the year and some other TV shows we've liked. It's been a really, really, really good year for TV and unfortunately, I'm sure some shows will become neglected on this podcast, but um. This is just going to be a rundown of some of the stuff that we liked and maybe didn't like. So like I said, this is the last podcast for the year 2015, mine at least anyway. This is my first year of giving a crack at podcasting. And I'd just like to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who's listened, been supportive, said a kind word or two. Once again, you can find us on Facebook at In The Pantheon, on iTunes. You can subscribe and give a review if you want. And um, yeah, thank you so much. And this will continue in 2016. Thank you for your love and support. Hello, Johnny. How are you doing? I'm good, Mr. Holding. How are you? Very good. It's been a very good year for television, it's hasn't it? It's been a bumper, bumper crop. Yeah. Yeah. I am just marveling, really, and have been for this month coming towards the end of the year, just how much quality television there really has been overall and just how hard it is to keep up with all this type it's, of stuff it's exhausting and then you have to, like you asked me to try and write a top five and i was like well okay so that like i narrowed it down to about a thousand shows um just from this year alone and then there's a bunch of stuff that i still haven't seen that everybody's raving about so, yeah yeah i feel like there's a lot of stuff yeah there's been so much good i guess themes in the process of television making this year i find mm. like the idea of reinvention has been something as a constant in just the culture of television, particularly with how TV shows make the second season. Yeah, There's sure. been some great second seasons, mm. which we'll talk about. There's been some awful second seasons. Mm. And I think that there has been sort of this constant idea about how television shows move on and yeah. how they start fresh. And I think that can be totally applied to how much television there is these days, particularly with the new market of Netflix and whatnot. But yeah, um, I think generally as well, like with second seasons and third seasons, I'm looking forward to the quality of it is being maintained generally. I mean, there are definite like exceptions, but generally like once a show hits its stride, it's staying pretty good nowadays, like rather than dropping off. So we're going to do our top fives for the year. But as we said, there is so much television um, that we would neglect. So I think we're going to give just a minute or two to talk about some of our valuable nominations who didn't quite make the list. Yes. And Jono, like, feel free. Okay, I'll jump right in. Uh, the first one, and I'm not sure if it made your list at all, hey. but uh, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, for me, Parks and Recreation, the yeah. final season of that was this year, and yeah. I thought it was really weird in that it included a lot of strange sci-fi elements in sure. the season. Um I don't think it was the best season of the show. Totally. But it's still head and shoulders above like a lot of comedies. Um, and it had just as much heart as the rest of the show. And like the last couple of episodes in particular, I thought were really resonant. Absolutely. I'd just like to mention there. Um, also, obviously, a big show this year, which I don't think made either of our list, was Master of None yes. by Aziz Ansari. Um, I thought that show was great as well, but it didn't quite crack my top five. Regardless... This year was kind of shitty and a bit sad with the passing of Harris Whittles. Um, uh, an absolute bummer. And like, 
uh, I'm not somebody that knows him like yeah. by any stretch, but if you listen to podcasts, yeah, like his impact on that, and also his impact on the world of current comedy on television, absolutely, it can't be overstated, really. Yeah, he was um meant to be a pretty um one of the main writers and whatnot with Aziz on Master of None, but sadly passed away earlier in the year yeah. and wasn't ah, able shit. to I do forgot it. That. I forgot that even happened this year. See his, uh, yeah. His vision, I guess, wasn't able to be foreseen, but the show is a lovely um, memory of him, really. And, mm. um, yeah, a very sad uh, story about a very talented man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, but yeah, that's the last frame of the Parks and Rec grand finale yeah. as well. Is yeah, it's like, very you know, touching. Tribute to Harris. Um, Silicon Valley. Yeah. Also, speaking of excellent second seasons. Yeah. Uh, I think Silicon Valley actually was a lot better in its second season. It was bleaker and it started to address, I think, some of the problems of the first season as in uh, its female character problems. Yeah. Um, it's really a very pasty sausage party. Oh, it totally is. But, um, you know, I... Like, I have some issue with that, but if it's funny, then I, you know, I can generally overlook yeah, it. Yeah, I've found always it very been funny. two minds about that, because I agree, it's a total sausage fest, but I've always wondered, is that just portrayal of the current culture of, like, tech IT. culture in Silicon Valley and whatnot? Yeah. Like, you know, there's two ways to go about it, but, I mean, you know, if it's... Yeah. Television I, is not being inclusive, I guess, and, you know... Yeah, I think... But it has it went, it went a long se- way to address that stuff. Yeah, I think the second season actually confronted that a lot yeah. head on. And so they're having that conversation in the show. Um, there's a bunch of other shows on here, but I think you've got them written down as well. So well, what do you have to... Sure uh, honourable mentions. Well, I'm a big drama fan. I mean, that is what really uh, captivates me of my television watching. Mm. But some of the comedies this year have been outstanding. And I thought I should just rattle off a few of them. Um, review with Forrest McNeil, a yes. great show. Nathan for you with Nathan Fielder. Oh, that um, that was one of mine as yeah. well. That is yeah. fantastic. Um, Catastrophe was a British show with uh, Rob Delaney, um, very famous uh, sort of Twitter comedian and whatnot, which was a sort of anti rom com, which is just ecstatically funny. And okay. um, I highly recommend it for anyone. Man, to I haven't watch even it. heard of that. I should check it out. Yeah, um, Togetherness. Uh, Mark Duplass's new show on HBO was like a pretty good mumblecore type of thing. Um, probably didn't impress me as much as I thought it would, but it definitely um, went to some cool places. Um, yeah. The last season of The Kroll Show. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Once again, I think brilliant. Something with all these comedy shows is that they're also getting at a really weird, dark drama as yeah. well. Like, there's like a lot of great comedy has a lot of tragedy right underneath it as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about that when we get to review, because yeah. I think that's why that's really yeah. great. And absolutely, yeah, and just some uh, memorable dramas. Um, was The second season of Holt and Catch Fire, mm. um, that probably would have made my number six. They completely turned the wheel around on a pretty scrappy first season, and the second season of it is, um, yeah, brilliant, really. It's um, kind of, uh, I don't know, I think it's the heir apparent to Mad Men, and I okay. hope that season three proves this. Um, yeah, to check that out. Uh, two shows which I'm in the middle of watching right now, so I can't really include them in my list, but they are phenomenal, is Jessica Jones, it's the new uh, Marvel Netflix show, mm-hmm. and the latest season of Transparent, which might just be the most beautiful, touching, and emotional mm-hmm. show on television. Yeah, that I haven't uh, watched any of Jessica Jones, but Transparent, what I've seen of it, has just been incredibly moving, and I, you know, 
from my perspective, which is a very limited perspective, yeah. I find it really eye-opening. Yeah. Um, another show that I have watched this year, it's quite an old one, but something that made quite an impact on me was uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. Which I've never watched before. Um, I'm a sucker for reality TV. Yeah. And like game shows presented in the reality format, yeah. as you'll find out yeah. <laughs> over this next uh, couple of hours. Absolutely. Um, but... Uh, yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race, I think if you play music or you perform, I think that show is just really insightful in how it presents performers doing their best to captivate the audience. Wow, I'll yeah, have to I check that it's out. It's absolutely worth a watch. And one last uh, small mention for me um, on a good segue from reality te- television. This is not a reality television show, but it parodies reality television. It's called Unreal. Oh, okay. Um, it's kind of like a dark comedy drama about behind the scenes of a bachelor type show, but mm. it was some of the most addictive um, week in, week out, <laughs> pulling you in drama I've, I've seen. And yeah, a a cool. real guilty pleasure of mine. And I don't even know if it's a guilty pleasure because it actually holds some seriously strong weight about being Maybe a credible television if show. If you're talking about it on a podcast, it's less guilty now. Yeah. It's out there in the public sphere. So, Jono, let's get into it. All right. What is your number five? Uh, my number five pick is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which nice. is, I think it's the successor to Parks and Recreation. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think it carries on in that spirit of humour. It's like characters, uh, the humour isn't often at the expense of its characters. Yeah. It's a situational comedy most of the time. Um, and some of its characters are dumb, but they're never mocked. Yeah. Really. And I really like that about it. Absolutely. Um, I think Andre Breyer, I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname. Hey. Andre Breyer. I guess uh, his casting in the show single handedly puts it in the top five. Sure. He's just completely deadpan and saying some of the most ridiculous lines. Yeah. Um, I think he's fantastic. Uh, this season of it had way better character development. Um, and I think the show, compared to Parks and Recreation, I think it has more realistic growth as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the criticisms of Parks and Recreation was that uh, a lot of it felt like wish fulfillment for its characters. Yeah. Its characters want this, so they end up getting it, or they learn along the way that it's not really what they want. In Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there's a bit less of that. Okay. Um, the characters like usually end up on different paths than they set out to mm. be on, um, which I think is really good. Yeah, so um, that's, that's my I number five have, I have, I'm not up to date with Brooklyn, but I do quite like it. It's a very fun casual watch for me. Yeah. Um, I, the casting is brilliant. I think Chelsea Pretty is just oh, one of the funniest people working right her now. And Terry Crews, yeah, are just incredible. Yeah, yeah, um, brilliant stuff. Yeah, I, it's just one of those shows every week that I really look forward to watching. Um, it's a half hour of solace, you know. Yeah. Like, it's just fantastic. Well, my number five is... I talked about a show before called Catastrophe, a yes. anti-rom-com out of the UK. This is kind of the American version of it. It is called You're the Worst. Oh, okay. It yep. is um, a show on FX, a half an hour sort of uh, anti-rom-com about two quite toxic people mm. who come together and find uh, quite a nice romance um, out of their cynicism and learn try to learn a little bit of optimism in the process of this um but one of the reasons that this season was so damn good is that it had quite a real and gripping portrayal of mental illness yeah fantastic um, particularly in the main character um Gretchen played by Aya Cash um I think it's a hard thing to use mental illness 
as a main plot device and not sell it short and give it all of its due diligence, but also have it be hilarious at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. You're the worst accomplishes this in so many ways. Oh, wow. Um, And yeah, it's just, I think it's rewriting the rom-com formula. Okay. Um, It's been kind of revolutionary in this season, I think, in that way. And yeah, it's just hilarious also. The characters Mm. are really warm and vibrant, and it's obvious that the showmakers love these characters, never sell them short, um, always do their best to not treat them as idiots or buffoons, even though they make some pretty horrible life decisions and are probably some pretty horrible people Mm. in reality. Um, The worst. But yeah, I think it's a commentary on the corrosive toxicity of cynicism and whatnot mm. in life and how ultimately optimism um, can kind of seep through the cracks yeah. and a little bit of light can show in through all of this. And um, yeah, it's a really sweet show. And I think that's going to be an ongoing theme, actually. I've lost count of the number of times I've written optimism over the next couple yeah. of pages of notes. Um, I think shows at the moment are tackling... Uh, harder subjects than ever absolutely really. like mental illness as you say is an incredibly difficult and complex topic to portray yeah um and especially give it uh a weight of reality to it yes um like it's very easy to portray mentally ill people as a caricature or a stereotype and i'm yeah, totally. so glad we're moving away from that yeah um uh, another honourable mention that I wanted to uh, meant to mention, but it tackles similar issues, is BoJack Horseman. Of course, uh, an animated show uh, which is just gripping. Um, I've never found an, a cartoon to be quite so moving sure. as BoJack Horseman. But um, yeah, I've been meaning to check out You're the Worst for ages. It's so I will I jump right on it. To you and to everyone else. Hmm. Number four, Johnny. Number four, for me, it is uh, review. By yes. Forrest McNeil. Yes. Uh, the best. It just, I can't comprehend how they make this show, how totally. they write it. Like, uh, basically, uh, Forrest McNeil reviews life situations and gives them a arbitrary ranking out of five stars. But this second season of the show questions entirely everything he's doing with his life. Yes. Um, and his commitment to this horrible show that's ruining his yeah. life. Uh, so it becomes kind of fourth wall breaking. Like, uh, at one point he's asked, what would it be like to give something six stars? Now, that (laughs) doesn't fit within their review system at all. So he's got to bend the weird rules in a very strange way. So as a writer, like, uh, sorry, as writers, uh, it's um, really interesting to watch them bend their way around that. Yeah. Um, And they do it, and it's so funny, but it is incredibly tragic as well. I find that review, and Nathan, for you, I often like them liken them to one another so much because the process of writing is all about creating loopholes within comedic writing yeah, and trying absolutely. to create these like insane plots and whatnot where mm. you know how do they take a pretty straightforward topic and just turn it into the most insane thing yeah. by bending the loopholes of convention yeah and the logic becomes so convoluted and you're like well how did Forrest in uh in an episode where he had the ability to veto a vote how did it turn into him actually having to murder a man absolutely like it just becomes this bizarre journey to go on um so over the course of the season his self-destruction continues to escalate it's so beautiful it's fantastic now i wanted to talk about optimism as well because forrest i think is an eternally optimistic character as with nathan fielder yeah absolutely like they're always looking to build connections with people completely both of them however build connections and attachments and then totally burn them to the ground (laughs) yes um So, 
yeah, there's one episode in uh, this season of Review in particular where Forrest, after some of the most horrible gut-wrenching assignments, decides he's going to relax by going boating. Yeah. And he's so grateful for the opportunity to do something so calm. But of course, he gets, you know, adrift at sea and ending mm. up in the trash vortex out in the Pacific Ocean. That was hilarious. Yeah, it's so good. And part of that is because he's so... Uh, he's still filming his review and he's still ecstatically happy about having this experience, which is just a bizarre, bafflingly optimistic reaction to what's happening to him. Yeah, I'm not too sure if we're going to see another season of this show just because yeah. I don't think ratings were amazing and whatnot. It but hasn't I, been announced yet. Yeah, I, I'd like to see another show, but I don't think I'd be too cut up if it doesn't come back because uh, somehow I think maybe a little bit they have maybe push this show to the limits of uh, pushing this so. guy to insanity and whatnot. And I think the goal of this show has kind of been accomplished at this point. Yeah. Although it's, you know, just watching it is brilliant if, anyway. If they but... did a third season, I'd really like to see it just completely shift gears. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, if somebody else takes over the reviews and Forrest is a supporting character in essentially his own life, yeah. I think that might be an interesting variation on it. But, um, you know, like... I'm going to watch whatever Andrew Daly does anyway. Completely. I think he's just one of the funniest people at the moment. Absolutely. Cool. So, yes, that's my number four. Well, my number four, talking about shows that might not get renewed, this is a show that is not getting renewed. <laughs> this is the third and final season of Hannibal, yes. which was untimely cut by NBC. Um, I think that this was one of a cinematic triumph in television that nothing has come close to looking mm. as amazing as a show like this. Uh, if you don't know, this is the television adaption of the Hannibal Lecter series, which throughout its three series has tried to take from all of the books in the series mm. and create its own interpretation of that. In doing this, it has created a TV show. The experience of watching it is like walking through a 16th century Italian art museum yeah it is like walking through living art it comes down to the food the violence mm. the outfits the cinematography yeah, and the... this season absolutely pushed that to its logical conclusions yeah. um, by going to europe um where hannibal Lecter, played by mads mikkelsen who's a true talent um was just able to flourish in you know basically his 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 happy place which is in mm. florence in europe and whatnot yeah um, it getting away with he's sort of being at the start of the season he's being hunted uh, yeah. by the fbi they know he is a mass murderer yeah um and they're sort of after him and so the relationship between him and will graham again comes to the fore uh something i loved about this season of hannibal um is uh gillian anderson's yeah. increased role in it she's yeah she's wonderful uh, yeah just chilling i found her presence to be just yeah magnetic I mean... and cold if, and fantastic. if one of the overbearing themes of Hannibal is Stockholm Syndrome and the way that Hannibal is able to kind of influence mm. uh, the people that he has made victims or held captive or ruined their lives, yeah. then that is exemplified particularly in uh, Gillian's um, character. Yeah. Um, through it, towards the end of the series, they took on the Francis Dollarhide Red mm. Dragon Tooth Fairy Killer story, which was is one of my favourites yeah. from the books. And I do love the film Red Dragon as well. And I thought that it was just a perfect way to end this show. Yeah, I um, think so and it, too. And in, in the space of like four episodes, yeah. which is insane for I a was, television of it's this It's incredibly of this ambitious. Magnitude. Yeah. Um, like, I just... 
I'm baffled that they managed to get three seasons. Like, if you watch this show, you think, man, this looks like nothing else. Um, it feels incredibly personal when you watch it. Yeah. I feel like I'm seeing the vision of the people that want, that made it. Completely. Like, I don't... Like, I watch it and I feel like, man, they didn't compromise at all. Um, yeah, it's violent and it's poetic and it yeah. doesn't make... like It doesn't times, make sense. It's yeah. a complete mindfuck, but that doesn't matter. You're yeah. not meant to... It's not really... You're meant to throw yourself in to this world and go mm. on go on your knees to this world because it's just the insanity of the world that Hannibal lives in. Yeah. That is everything like, that is about this yeah, show. Yeah, is it his aura that projects yeah. that? But like suddenly like people's motivations are in question. Like their actions stop having meaning um, just because they're around Hannibal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fantastic. And mm. the show really captures that. When you watch the show, you'll get pulled into that dreamlike state as well. Yeah. There's been a lot of uh, writing about the subtext in the show about the homosexual relationship between yeah, sure. Hannibal and uh, Will, uh, played by Hugh Dancy, who's brilliant as well. And regardless of if that's true or not, um, I think there's a lot of evidence for that to be there. It is They do have one of the strongest chemistries between two yes. actors ever on screen. And whether it's a <clears throat> romantic relationship or a friendship... Yeah, and a horrible friendship at that yeah. um, because they are quite horrible to each other yeah. at very many points. They have a very beautiful relationship together and it's yeah. nothing like I've seen really on modern television. So I, kudos for Mickelson and Dancy for just the chemistry they have as two mm, actors together on screen. Yeah, their magnetism is just like as soon as they're against one another, the scene just like comes to life. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think the, uh, the eroticism of their relationship. I think that's part of how dreamlike the show is. Yeah. Um, like the show is very preoccupied with the subconscious Completely. and uh, the difference between that and consciousness. Um, so by including that element of it, I think it really brings that to the foreground. A stellar show. I'm really sad to see it go because there is nothing on television like that right now. And yeah. I really think that this rewrote the rules about what a television show can do. Mm. And, I've never seen violence and murder be so beautiful on screen. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything uh, like the word Lynchian is thrown around a lot. A this lot. show is truly very Lynchian. Completely. Um, what do you think about Brian Fuller doing American Gods, which is the Neil Gaiman comic? I'm in. Yeah. I'm I, in. I'm in on anything I'm Brian Fuller does absolutely. at this point. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see how yeah. it goes. Hmm. Johnny, number three. Uh, number three for me is Justified, yes. which uh, has been one of my favourite shows for the last six years. I find it moving. I find it to be subtle in ways that a lot of other shows really aren't. Um, I find the performances in it to be incredibly compelling, mm -hmm. uh, especially the main two, uh, Timothy Oliphant as, amazing. as Raylan Givens and Walton Goggins, who has a brilliant name, as Boyd Crowder. One of the best character actors working right now. He's Amazing, and I think their roles in this, the last season of Justified, this is also the final season. Yeah, um, I think they're definitive. I like in my mind, as soon as I see Timothy Oliphant now, I think of Raylan Givens, mm. um, just by virtue of this show. That's crazy. I I've seen a fair few seasons of Justified. I do quite like it, but I can never shake the Deadwood factor. Oh, okay. Um, which is one of my, you know, an all-time fave of mine as well. Yeah, sure. But yeah, sorry. Continue. No, no, no. That's quite all right. I think. 
like uh they're very different shows obviously they're yeah. both westerns but uh what i love about justified is mainly the demystification of cowboys by okay. positioning them in contemporary times right because essentially Raylan givens is an is a cowboy yes and boyd crowder is an outlaw mm. um essentially that's their two roles um that's an interesting point yeah i I mean, the first couple of seasons of Justified really see Raylan as a quick draw. Yep. Um, Like, that's essentially the only skill he's got over the other people. He's very much a cowboy Mm anti-hero. But uh, around about the third or fourth season, they take that skill away from him. He has quite a bad hand injury and he can't draw quite so fast. So he has to rely on his attitude and his charisma, such as it is, to get him through situations. Now, um, you've also got the outlaw who's trying to make good and trying to protect his family and carve out like a niche for himself yes. in life. Um, so Boyd Crowder is really showing a lot of American dream plot, yes. plot devices. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I just love it. I can understand why it wouldn't be the show for everybody. Totally. I think a lot of times it can be a bit hammy and over the top. For me, that adds to it. Yeah. Um, the fifth season was... His stick is definitely deserved. Yes. And it's worked for. And, yeah, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fifth season, which was the season before the one this year, uh, wasn't very good. Mm. I think it's fair to say it became quite episodic and its overarching uh, serialized story kind of fell apart. Yep. Uh, but this season just pulled it all together. We had Sam Elliott and Garrett Dillahunt as villains this year. Um, we also had Gia Burns as the character Win Duffy, who I think is one of the best... Uh, slimy cockroaches on television okay. he's just a survivor at all costs if you know there's two people in a room and they're gonna get shot he's gonna make sure it's not him um and it's fantastic uh yeah so that's my awesome. number what is, number is that three what's yours my number three to continue the trend of shows that had their last season hmm. is the final season of Mad Men oh yes um I think that Mad Men it was such a Total, just as just to start off, Mad Men could be my favorite show of all time. Yeah, um, wow. this I had a huge connection to this show, and it meant so much to me over a many many years, and over to so many other people as well. And it was such a huge task to try and uh, bring this show in mm-hmm. and to close it off with the respect to the characters and the history of it and everything in between. And I think it did that perfectly. Cool. It's a perfect meditation on what it means to end or the idea of finality. And it's very meta in that idea. It feels like you're watching um, the script writing in the process of the idea of finality and death and closure Mm. and whatnot. Um, Yeah. It's really this intentful on-screen way to try and stick the perfect landing. And I think it comes pretty close to doing that. Um, A lot of people were wondering how the hell is this show going to wrap up? How are they going to finish off Don's arc? And, whatnot. and it became obvious while watching this, it doesn't really matter what happens to Don or Peggy or yeah. anyone um, because the show had really ended a yep. season or two ago with uh, big plot points and whatnot. And this was just an afterthought. This okay. was just a lingering light. And mainly it was just amazing to spend time with these characters because all it really is is like a comedy workplace drama with some very dark and powerful and emotional symbolic themes and meanings. And... I was more than happy to just spend a few extra episodes with these characters and just see a glimpse of what their life might look like in the future. Um, yeah, and I think it really was a sufficient end to all of these characters' arcs. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, no spoilers or anything, but for some people it ended up better than others, but I think it did them the respect that they deserved um, overall. 
cool. Um, it was much more satisfactory than something like the man falling out of the sky or anything like that. It was brave enough to try and cure this idea of dissatisfaction, vanquishing the ghosts of your past and how you present yourself to the world. And it shows that the show and its characters at the final moment were comfortable enough to know themselves yeah. and be content with who they are. Yeah, and I think it really was, and I think it was an an effort to try and make the viewer content with this show closing off. Yeah, and sure. I actually feel kind of similarly about the Justified finale yeah. as well. Um, for a show with an enormous body count, mm. uh, the two, like, spoiler alert, <laughs> like, if you plan on watching this show, don't listen to the next, like, I don't know, minute. Yeah. But, um, spoiler alert, the main two characters survive at the end and they meet up in prison. Yeah. And uh, at one point, Raylan Givens had the opportunity to kill Boyd Crowder. And Boyd asked him, why did you let me live? Um, and Raylan's like, well, we dug coal together. And there seems to be a real acceptance in the way he says that that signifies he's okay with their relationship. Okay. And he's okay with what the past six years have meant. Um, is that true of Mad Men as well? Is Don, Does Don Draper find acceptance and peace? I haven't watched the last season, so I'm asking you. Yeah, yeah I, I think Don... Don definitely finds a bit of solace in himself. I don't think Don or anyone else is cured completely of their past. Yeah, sure. I think that that's what the show is saying, that our past will always be our past. And that's yeah. never going away. But it's it's an attempt to show that solace can be achieved yeah. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, yeah, kudos to this show. Um, one of the brilliant literary shows of our time. It was powerful. It's emotions, it's psychology, mm. Um the way that the viewer could fall into that show and view their own life in that show was extremely powerful to me. And um, I don't think there'll be anything ever like it again. So kudos to Matt Weiner. Kudos to everyone involved. Let's just have a Coke now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Smoke so a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Episode, uh, your second show, John. Uh, my second show is uh, Fargo. Nice. Which is... Which I didn't mention before, but that would have been in my nominations uh, as well. I, everything about it I love. Yeah, um, I can't. I can't single out any individual element that I like more than another, but just every part of it appeals to me. Um, what I love about Fargo in particular, though, as I try and figure out some of this stuff, is that I think at its heart it's a deeply moral show. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it is in an absolutist sense, but I think it makes kind of explicit that its characters are searching to find the difference between good and evil. Right. Um, and especially in the second season. I think in the first season, it was quite deliberately set up that there is an evil force in the presence of Lorne Malvo. Yes. And there was good in the presence of Gus Grimley and Molly Solverson mm -hmm. and sort of brought those into, you know, uh, contrast with one another. In the second season, there's less of that. Um, it's a lot more subtle and it reminds me of a quote about uh, the author Graham Greene. Somebody said of his uh, writing that uh, there's no real way to be good okay. in Graham Greene. There's a thousand different ways to be bad. Okay. Um, I think that's generally kind of true of Fargo. Uh, like you still have good and you've still got characters searching and trying so hard to do the right thing, but it falls apart for a lot of them along the way. I think that, um, and I think it was uh, Andy Greenwald from um, formerly Gruntland, but now uh, Channel 33 podcast, who mentioned that the difference between season one of Fargo and season two, and season two of Fargo, and of a lot of television, is that the portrayal of evil 
is that many e- much evil is portrayed as being inside ourselves yeah. and the fear and the dread that we have of that that evil is going to come out to the surface mm. and that you know good men are going to do bad things and whatnot but that the evil in this show is the evil that lingers outside your door and yeah. it's the fear of the e- evil that could be acro- you know could be coming your way at any moment and whatnot yeah. and how do we how do we reconcile with this? Yeah, how do, how, how do you live in a world where that is the case? And yeah, I think we... there's a lot of characters in this show who yeah. are dealing with how do I live in this world? Mm. I mean, Lou's arc in this... Yeah, series, it's yeah. entirely about trying to figure out like what yeah. is the world coming to yeah. for him. Um, his yeah. wife is dying of cancer, yeah. you know. Just... Vietnam War vet. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got uh, Reagan walking around yeah. spouting false, false promises. Um I just yeah, I love how bonkers this show is as well. I mean, it there's UFOs, everything there's into Reagan. It. Yeah, like uh, it's a real celebration almost of seventies culture in oh, America. Yeah. Um, the the soundtrack this season has been phenomenal. True. Um, at one point, they played "Paranoid" by Devo, mm. which is n- I would never have guessed to have heard that song on a show, but there it was. Um, so I find it endlessly surprising. Like I can never predict what's going to happen in it. I love the characters the casting is so good they nail the casting Joaquin Woodbine as Mike Milligan is one of the deadliest funny most curious intriguing characters I've seen on TV right now so perfect have you watched the finale of Fargo yet? I have I watched it last night fantastic and his arc just closes off so wonderfully like I think it just seals the ending that Uh, felt that felt like Tarantino yeah absolutely it felt perfect um yeah so uh, another thing I wanted to say about this in continuing with optimism is that the show, I think, is optimistic about its characters mm. um, and it never mocks them, which I, I've only realised over the course of this year, but I like it when a show takes its characters seriously. Absolutely. Um, my least favourite character in Parks and Rec was probably uh, Gary or Jerry or Larry or whatever his name ended up being because I don't think they took him seriously and then at the end they sort of overcompensated trying to write that. Um mm. But yeah, in Fargo, even the ridiculous characters and the characters that are kind of silly, they're given the respect and attention they deserve. I think they're fleshed out more as human characters um, than as fictional characters. But something, again, that I love about Fargo is that it always points out that it's a work of fiction. Every episode says, this is a true story, and you know full well that's bullshit. (laughs) And then they're like, this is a true story, and a UFO comes down. Like, uh, yeah, okay, Fargo. (laughs) It's just fantastic. Yeah, uh, just... Another show, as we talk about um, shows trying to reinvent themselves for their second season, this was another show that um, mm. didn't steer too far from the farm, no, but did it. But did it? Did just had the right amount of tinkering to make it so much more interesting and yeah. intriguing. And I whatnot. think it was just incredibly tonally consistent with the first season. Yes, and it also had a tremendous first season. Um, well, I don't know how you could do a first season like that and think all right well let's try and top it for season two but i think they really tried and often attempt often achieved awesome i think well my number two is another show that had its second season but its first season and i feel like this show as a first season really created uh, quite a lot of hype and just people kind of lost their minds over this show and that was the first season of mr robot yes uh, mr robot if you don't know um paranoid techno thriller mm. about a young hacker named elliot alderson who is in bed with some type of anonymous style hacking group and it's very zeitgeisty for the world mm. we live in right now about surveillance and uh 
you know, tech, technology, hmm. capitalism, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of these themes might seem a little bit naff to people, but it, this show goes far beyond those themes yeah. and I think revels in being a quite gripping psychological drama. Absolutely. Um, this show is also um, not without its illusions that have been often commented to on Fight Club. Yes. Um, as there is quite a mystery I... as to the man, Mr. Robot, played by Christian Slater, as to whether he is real or not, or a figment of ima- imagination, and yeah. he's kind of your, you know, Tyler Durden conduit in the show. Yeah, I, I want to add that the first time I heard the comparison to Fight Club, yeah, I think it does a disservice to the absolutely. show. Absolutely, this show goes far beyond think, Fight Club at this point yeah, in time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think the show is more about the psychology of men in Completely. America rather and the weird sort of hero complex that a lot of men seem yeah. to have, myself included at times. Um, but yeah, I, I think comparing it to Fight Club, like it has some similarities in tone, maybe in paranoid sort of uh, anarchy tone. But I, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want a listener, I guess, to hear. Oh, it's like Fight Club and not seek yeah. out the show because it is a fantastic yeah. show. Fight Club wanted to have the power as an intellectual practice. Yeah, Mister Robot asked the question about power as. Who has the responsibility to have it? Who should have yes. it and how should they ever use it? Whether that be the people in the suits on Wall Street or mm. the hackers behind the computer screens or the you know anyone because th- this show really is about society in many yeah. ways and the world that we live in. And it is quite a gripping portrayal of the world that we live in. Um, it's scarily responded to world events um, yes. such as the Ashley Madison scandal, the uh, Chinese economy crash yep. and... Um, I'm sure maybe you know that the show had to go off for a week because um, uh, there, the was the, there was the there was a reporter shooting in America this year, which uh, the finale had two close themes to really, which yeah. um, was a good decision by uh, the network because it USA. certainly did. USA and network, it was, um, yeah, but yeah, it's. Rami Malek as Elliot is amazing, I, magnetic, brilliant. He's just something else. Like every time he's on screen, like I can't stop looking at him. I find him just physically to be one of the most captivating performers and one of the best portrayals of new york city i've seen um in recent years Mm. um doesn't portray it as the sprawling metropolis portrays it as a city of isolation yeah Um, Uh, it's such i like i love the show but it didn't make my top five because i don't feel comfortable watching it i feel very distinctly uncomfortable uh, so the soundtrack as well oh incredible yeah yeah i I don't know. It's gripping in the sense that it shows you characters who are surrounded by people and completely alone, mm. um, mainly in Rami Malek. Uh, yeah, he's just incredible. Well, Jono, the big without moment. further ado, your number one. My number one is the TV show Survivor. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I know. Uh, huge trumpet fanfare. Uh, if you know me as a person, you know I'm often quite evangelical about this show. I think it's one of the best shows on television. And this, like, normally, I honestly wouldn't rank it in my top five. Mm. I, I think it's a solid game show. But this year, it's had not one, but two seasons of just incredibly fantastic television. And one of the seasons I actually think is quite important viewing, which I never thought I'd say about Survivor. But um, it shows real people trying to survive on an island. If you don't know what Survivor is, chances are you probably haven't watched TV before. Chances Uh, are you might be in a show called Lost, which would be pretty (laughs) ironic. (laughs) (laughs) It is... uh, 
you know, it's been going for 15 years. So the two seasons they had this year were the 30th and the 31st. Um, so it's been going for ages and that it could produce two seasons that have surprised me uh, this year, I think is just monumental. Uh, the first season, uh, which I think was probably the more important of the two, although the second has been more captivating. Yeah. The first season uh, has had a lot of conversations in it regarding uh, misogyny. Yeah. Uh, there were some fights between contestants on the show uh, where two of them exploded at a young lady named Shireen um, and exploded at her in a way that went beyond just stress from a game, like the way you might get annoyed at somebody playing Monopoly and went entered into the realm of male abuse. Okay. Um, verbal abuse, rather. There was nothing physical about it. Um, and it was... I don't want to say brave of the editors to leave it in, but normally you don't see that sort of thing on reality TV. It's reluctant to portray its contestants in too negative of a light. Mm -hmm. In this case, it showed them exactly as they were, warts and all. And the public backlash to that was immense. Um, so you had two people just being destroyed on social media um, quite fairly, really. Okay. I don't think yeah. they showed these fights out of context at all. Sure. Um, and they made a point in the reunion to show the full scene to show they didn't show it out of context. Um, and you had uh, the contestant, Shireen, who was the victim of the attack, um, just becoming kind of a spokesperson for what it's like to be in that situation. Now, that is some heavy shit yeah. to talk about. And you wouldn't expect yeah. it from a show like Survivor. No, but that's there interesting. It, there it is. Uh, the other thing that I love about Survivor, and I've often thought about doing my own podcast where all I do is talk about Survivor. I should do it, but I'm too lazy. Um, what I love about it is that it is real people put into real situations. Um, so you'll see this happening and it's very relatable. Like you'll see people behave awkwardly. Um, they won't know where to look. Some of them will look at the camera in a terrified way. Like you'll see all this sort of stuff happen um, because they're real people. Um, so they're real people with a camera shoved in front of their faces and forced to play an incredibly stressful game. Um, it's, yeah, I, I just find it my favourite show year after year just because you see that sort of thing and you see people struggling to make leverage out of nothing at all. They go onto this island with nothing. They've got to try and win a million dollars and convince other people to give them a million dollars. It is a hard game to play. You're all in. Oh, for, absolutely yeah completely. i'm very happy for you yeah oh, thank you this is yeah I, I i gotta say full admittance i'm not a huge reality television no, no, no. I, yeah. person i i often feel the term reality tv is misapplied but in this case it's you know it just because it's been around since the dawn of reality tv mm. really uh survivor is very much a game show through a reality tv prism um but if you think of it as a game and recently the editors of the show have started doing that. If you think of it as a game that people are playing to win, it's incredibly compelling. Okay, wow. Yeah, I, yeah so if you're on the fence and you think Survivor is for hacks and Jono doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> please just watch half of one season and you'll see what I'm talking about. Well. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's no, my rant. What that, is, is, that is... That is that's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, what's your number one? Let's My number do another one drum roll. Is dun 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 dun. True Detective season two. You liar! No, not true. <laughs> what is it? Not true. Not True Detective season two, but it is a HBO drama which went much better than True Detective season two. It is the second season of The Leftovers. Yes. Um, I think that this season has just been 
like nothing I've ever seen really on television at, in a show being able to reinvent itself. This show has been an effort to change, an effort to show the process of growth and the idea of moving on. Okay. Now, for people that don't know The Leftovers, um, it's a kind of a sci-fi drama about a world in which 2% of the population magically disappears one day and you never really know what the outcome is. Yeah. But you don't need to because that's not what the show is about. Sure. This is by Damon Lindelof, famously of Lost, who likes a mystery or two. Um, <laughs> that's the understatement of the podcast so far, I think. Yeah, but this season, the first season had a lot of baggage um, and it was quite good, but there was some niggling problems about, I guess, the portrayal of grief. It's like, could be the most depressing show on television, but yeah, the sure. portrayal of grief didn't quite go places um yeah. it's often thought of as a 9-11 allegory and okay. how community deals with the idea of grief um yeah. afterwards and whatnot and like permanent crises and how yeah, you deal with that yeah and particularly the idea of grief and religion and how people find solace okay or no solace in when such horrible things happen yeah. their faith is questioned yeah, um, their faith in humanity is questioned and how people reconcile all these things this season they completely uh, did a hard um, rewind and changed the location to a town called Jardin, Texas, which was the only town in America not affected by um, all of the people disappearing and whatnot and is seen as a bit of a religious utopia oh, wow. and whatnot and in effect has been placed as um, a safeguarded government-protected kind of area which um, many people try and seek refuge in and yeah, there's sure. kind of a refugee crisis in America outside of this town because everyone thinks that, that is, this is the holy land. So if you anything. get into there, you won't go or people around you won't go? That's or... the idea. Okay, it's safer. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Jardin is a place I've never seen on television before. Sure. There is mystery, there is hope, there is fascination, there is utopianism in all of this. But at the same time, there is still the underlying dread of season one still there, and you can still feel the dread and the worry and the woe pushing up against this town at all moments. Oh, wow. Um, this show has some amazing performances all around the ballpark. Justin Theroux is the main actor. Mm. I think he basically gave the performance of the year with this show. Yeah, He's wow. just magnetic powerful emotional um regina king is in this she's amazing carrie coon is in this she's also perfect um but yeah as a show this represented growth change moving on um there is so much mystery in this it yeah. revolves mainly around the, the mystery of a missing girl and the thing is about this show is you don't always need to know what the answer to the mystery is mm. you're just happy to revel in it now there's a lot of um interesting religious themed mysteries and also tied into shamanism and stuff like that this season which you get small hints of what is going on at the point but they never fully give you the answer and the show is that much better for it for still having these mysteries there that you don't need to know what the answer is you're yeah. just happy that they exist and you're just happy watching something that they do exist mm. in a show in a this show was so good because this was a show that was able to take risks and was brave enough to know that they were doing some wacky things and yeah. that they were going to risk failing and look stupid yeah. and whatnot. And I think it nailed it most of the times. Not all of the times, no, but, but it's so much for the better that they took these risks. Yeah, I'd always rather watch a show that goes crazy with experimentation. Yeah. Um, this if, show, if it surprises me, that's what mm, grabs me, you know? 
I love television that at the end of each episode, you're waiting for the next episode. Yes. And this was perfect in applying a gripping last 15 minutes all the time. Um, it's a deeply moving, emotionally connecting show that reduces their audience, myself to the knees, myself included, to their knees um, from the weight of the existence of this world and the world we live in, just yeah. about the idea of grief and whatnot. Um, the themes of community, family, parenting, they're all there and they're truly crushing, eye-opening and just um, humbling. Um, it also had the best episode of a TV show this year called International Assassin, where this show is deeply Lynchian as well. It can yes. go to crazy places where belief is can be suspended and whatnot and you don't really need to... This It, it might not make sense, but just... Yeah, watch this episode if, if you do watch this show. A, a lot of the criticism of Damon Lindelof, I find, comes from people expecting his stories to have a neat conclusion. Yeah. And I'm glad that there's a show that seems to go out of its way to avoid that. Mm. Um, like, and I'm glad it's a Lindelof show. I was one of the dumb people that really actually enjoyed the movie Prometheus. Okay. Um, I think as a monster movie, it's I really... I didn't mind it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the special effects in it are unreal, and I think it's a really beautiful show. Now, I haven't watched any of The Leftovers, but um, that's always been something that's piqued my interest about Damon Lindelof's stuff. I highly stuff. recommend it. I will be jumping on it. To wrap up with The Leftovers, to watch The Leftovers is to lose yourself in this world. And no, it's not true, but you can damn well come close to believing in it and yeah, sure. understand that not every show needs to make sense, but the portrayal of a world in which reality can be suspended because the drama is so compelling and so strong and... I I don't think we're going to see a season as, spe as special as season two of The Leftovers in quite some time. Okay. Um, and it is coming back for a third and final season. Yes, Which well, is going to be my most was, eagerly awaited show. It was always on the bubble this season about whether or not it would get it renewed. It doesn't get great ratings. Yeah. And oh, so few shows do these days. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Well... We have a bit of time left. Okay. What were some disappointments oh, for you this year? So many disappointments. No, um, the the main one for me was the TV show, the Netflix show. And Netflix, uh, as a original show developer, Netflix as an original show developer, I think, are really hit and miss. Mm. But I like how much stuff they produce. They remind me of, like, the Mountain Goats as a band. Yeah. They just put out so much stuff, and some of it is great, and some of it's awful. Um what was awful was the TV show Scream, right. which I binge-watched over about yeah. three days. Uh, that just didn't look great. <laughs> wasn't great. It was it was shit. Uh, and I love the Scream films. I had a lot of high hopes, especially when you've got the possibility for really strong female characters. There was none of that. Uh, when you've got the possibility for like fantastic slasher stories told over multiple episodes, there was none of that. Mm. Yeah, uh, Just a disappointment from start to finish. What about you? True Detective Season 2. Oh, uh, disappointing. I don't know if I ever had that much high hopes, but I was very intrigued in what Pizzolatto would do. And although I think the show was very interesting mm. and brave in many ways, it just was a mess, wasn't it? Yeah. I just... I don't know. There's so much hype about the first one. Yeah. That, like, what what could you do but go down, really? But then other shows have been having fantastic second seasons. That's true. So, yeah, I, I so think pick that... pick up your game, HBO. Yeah, yeah. I think the True Detective's failure was one of the big talking points of this, of mm. this year of television. Yeah. And 
yeah, I think that's in good duality to so many successes of yeah, season absolutely. two, as we've talked about. Um, also, House of Cards had another season. Oh, and That show has never really grabbed me. I've always found it too cartoony, really. I've always been with it, but it really turned a wheel of just being ridiculous this year. Uh, just, um, for me, it was Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, actually, the turning point for me in that show was probably last season, but uh, like now it just feels like Xena Warrior Princess without the joy and money thrown at it instead mm. um yeah i'd rather watch bruce campbell as a mystery man do amazing <laughs> things in xena but uh whatever wouldn't we all wouldn't yeah we all. wouldn't we all uh well to- finishing on the great man bruce campbell yes as, as good a note as any to wrap this up absolutely thank you so much Jono, for coming in uh, and my talking. it's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure. Yeah. and um thank you for listening it's been a great year of television hopefully next year can be even better see you in 2016